Hello, and welcome to the Pathmic Psychiatry for Primary Care podcast. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us today. This is Whitney Landa, and this is the first of our case conference podcast series. Today, I have Tan Nguyen with us from Internal Medicine in Sunnyvale, Camino Division. Welcome, Tan. Thank you, Whitney, for having me. It's uh, very exciting for me to be on the podcast. Thanks for joining us. You brought us an interesting case today. Uh, yes, uh, I'll let you know about it. Again, I'm very excited to be on the podcast. I, I listen to all the podcasts, uh, so it's kind of cool that I'm on it. I have a patient. He is a 71-year-old gentleman. Uh, came to me in uh, February 2021. Uh, so he has been with anxiety for over 45 years. Uh, he said it started around the sixth grade. And at the time, no one really understood anxiety very well. Uh, and for sure, he was hospitalized uh, as a pediatric patient uh, just because it seemed that he had higher stress and anxiousness than his peers. Eventually, he was placed on Valium, and uh, he eventually got to a stable dose of four tablets of Valium, five milligram tablets, so 20 milligrams daily. And he was at that dose for years and years and years and years and years, and years even into the current century, you know, 2008, 2010, uh, up until now. And reportedly, previous physicians uh, tried to give him SSRI medications, and the patient said that it was either ineffective or he had side effects. Uh, he does recall that this was tried over 20 years ago, and he no longer remembers the name of any of the medications. So then when uh, I saw him, he was actually in between primary care providers. Uh, so first time meeting him, he was not yet with the primary care provider. He was seeing uh, a an online mental health specialist of some sort. As of October 2020, I think that was when they started to aggressively titrate him off of his stable Valium 20 milligrams daily. Uh, and so by the time I saw him, instead of having four tablets of Valium 5 milligrams daily, he was on one tablet of Valium 5 milligrams daily and hydroxyzine as needed. And on that first meeting with him, February 2021, he said that well, it he probably would do a little better with one and a half tablets of Valium, five milligrams per day. And I said, okay, I mean, let's let's try that and also start searching 50 milligrams daily to see how things go. I and so you know gave him a prescription, 45 tablets in a month uh, to make 1.5 tabs per day of Valium, five milligrams plus searching 50 milligrams daily. And how did he respond to the Zoloft? So he comes back and he says uh, he actually started feeling waves of anxiety on the uh, search lane. So, uh, you know, he would take it and then for no apparent reason, he would start feeling more anxious uh, while on that medication. And then because I'm internal medicine, I said, oh, let's work up for pheochromocytoma, cardiac arrhythmias, thyroid disorders, electrolyte disorders, all that fun stuff. It was all normal. So I said, hey, it's all normal. Let's keep trying the search lane. And I increased the search lane to 100 milligrams and then eventually 150 milligrams. Each time he would, well, he actually did say there was some improvement with his anxiety when he had the increase in the dosing of search lane. He also still felt that there was waves of anxiety attacks or just waves is what he called them. And 
when we had him on surgically 150 milligrams, he actually would start running out of the Valium early, which I kept at one and a half taps per day. So then I decided, well, I guess it's not working with the surge lane. Uh, I added the Propion extended release 150 milligrams. And he said that was actually helpful uh, with this anxiety, still with random exacerbations of anxiety. Uh, and at this point, we are probably five months later, July 2021. And I decided, okay, you know, let's stick with the bupropion. I'll titrate off the sertraline uh, while kind of titrating the bupropion upwards. You know, once I got into bupropion, 300 milligrams daily, uh, the sertraline was off. I also added on mirtazapine, 15 milligrams daily. And he no longer had any spikes of anxiety, no longer having the waves of anxiety. Uh, he did feel like there was no difference, though, in his mood overall. Okay. So it sounds like Zoloft caused what we call activation, where it actually worsens anxiety, which can happen with these medications. Um, and so it probably was causing the waves of anxiety. And I know when we've discussed the case before, it seemed like as soon as he got off the Wellbutrin, those waves of anxiety went away. Is that correct? Uh, it. Once he got off the search lane. Uh, oh, I misspoke the search lane. The Wellbutrin seemed to be doing something. Yeah, and so the, the Wellbutrin's helpful. What did it help with? Did, was, did he give you any specifics or was it pretty vague? It, it was very vague. He said there seems to be overall improvement of his mood, uh, which he always said it was anxiety. Uh, and then there is also the separate component of on top of the mood, there are the exacerbations or the waves, as he calls it. And uh, the waves uh, went away, which we actually attributed to the titrating off of search lead. The improvement of his overall mood, we attributed to the bupropion. Yeah, so it'd be interesting. Sometimes with people, you really have to nail this down, like go through your Ziggy caps with them. Um, but it'd be interesting to know if he had any depression at the time. So any anhedonia, low energy. And sometimes people will say they feel bored or they just feel irritable and angry. So that can also be from anxiety. But that general, like my mood is just better. It, it'd be interesting to know if there was a depression component. But either way, it seems like the bupropion was helpful. Yes. Uh, and even with bupropion, uh, 300 milligrams extended release daily, and the mirtazid 15 milligrams daily or 15 milligrams at night, he uh, still felt that there was uh, possibly to improve his mood uh, on top of the regimen as well. And so what we decided in January, 2022 uh, was, oh, let's try Lamictal because I heard on a podcast from Pat that it's a really good medication. So, you know, I walked through, you know, all the potential side effects and how we titrate up. And yes, I am going to make you hang out with me a little more in appointment more frequently. We eventually got into about 100 milligrams of, of Lamictal by March 2022. And he, what happened with the Lamictal? He honestly said there was no real difference with the Lamictal. At that point, this is March 2022, we also revealed that he was uh, taking half a tab of Valium 
at a time, which, you know, he, again, he's on 1.5 tabs of Valium per day. That's what I give him. My assumption is that he simply takes one and a half tabs per day in the morning because in my mind, why wouldn't we? It's, you know, long acting. I didn't know until like a year later, he's actually taking half a tab as needed when he felt that he had anxiety. And in my mind, I was like, oh, wow, you're, this is truly a placebo thing for you then because Valium doesn't work like that. I was also a little concerned, you know, I'm hanging out with him like every two weeks just to look for that Stevens Johnson syndrome. And he is saying, I don't, I feel the same. I feel the same, but I can't tell you why I feel the same. It just, all the days roll by, all the days are the same. And so that also made me a little concerned that you might be getting some cognitive dysfunction after so many years on the benzodiazepine. And we talked about that as well, you know, and, and he acknowledges, yes, you know, with benzodiazepine long-term, uh, there might be memory loss, there might be Alzheimer's. Uh, he also acknowledged that me, just like everyone else is telling him that it's not good to be on a benzodiazepine long-term. He just doesn't know how to move away from there. And so what I told him was, you know, you know, you're on this medication for a long time. When trying to make it work, I am concerned about your memory. So let's try journaling your feelings and see how that goes. Right? You know, you're having trouble with knowing day to day, -to -day what your mood is like. Let's journal it out, see how things go with that, and increase your lemotrigine. I love the journaling. Such a great technique. He actually journaled for me. I, I'm actually a little impressed because I did not expect a 71-year-old gentleman to do that for me. And uh, he, he notes that there were actually days, four consecutive days, where he noticed that he was more anxious than usual and he had no reason why. Uh, and he said to himself, well, I, you know, I just kind of sit there at home and I think about my mood, but if I'm just thinking about my mood, of course, I'm going to know it's, it's anxiety. And that, that's, that's all I can tell you, doc. And so I said, okay, you know, you're thinking about your mood. Tell me about your life. Like, what do you, what do you do in general? That? And that's when he reviewed that, you know, he's retired. He's a retired uh, dialysis technician. He used to be a uh, dialysis tech actually at El Camino Hospital in Mountain View. And he still goes on to the tech forums to help out other technicians. And he's very happy and proud that he that his experience can help troubleshoot the dialysis machine still. Also goes on the forums for Corvette cars uh, and hopes that one day he can go back to in-person meetups for Corvette cars and also plays uh, online games, mostly casino games with play money. None of it is very serious money at all. It's just for fun. Uh, and all those things he actually enjoys doing and he looks forward to it. And it's professionally is somewhat of an embarrassment. You know, a year and a half later, I never knew any of this stuff about him because well, I guess that's the primary care doctor I am. Well, 15-minute uh, visit. Let's give you some grace. Uh, thank you for that. So I knew that about him. Uh, and I already set up the stage for us to talk about tapering off the DASPAM. So basically April or May 2022, I said, okay, you've been, I've been giving you 45 tablets. Let's stay with 40 per month of value of five milligrams, 40 tablets per month, and 
see how you do. But there's no rush to take these off. You're just going to march slowly, slowly, so that one day you can experience the full benefit of Valium. Uh, and he actually remembers there was a time where Valium worked really, really well. And I told him, that's where I want you to be. I want you to have the experience again. That will only happen if you're only taking it once or twice a week. And he understands that too. Awesome. At this point, we are at Lamictal 200 milligrams daily. He literally still feels no improvement on Lamictal or off Lamictal. All that journaling is like, oh no, it's all basically the same. Uh, he at least does not have any ways of anxiety anymore. He remains on bupropion 300 milligrams for tasking 1500 milligrams. He is very nervous about going lower on the uh, Valium. And, you know, I, you know, I already told him there's no rush. I, I am trying to make sure that uh, we have a plan for a mood overall. In my mind, I'm thinking, oh, it's, it's still placebo for you. And that's okay. We, we hold on to that for, for the time being. Well, it's a powerful placebo, but also if he misses it, he probably gets withdrawal anxiety. And that's an important thing to differentiate for people because they're like, well, but when I don't take it, I feel worse. And that's because it's inducing more anxiety than their baseline. Not because it was treating their anxiety and now we've removed it. But it's hard for people to understand that. Uh, sometimes it helps if you compare it to alcohol. I mean, it's the same receptors almost. So. Uh, yes, that's great. And I wouldn't change his volume while you're making all of these other changes I'm going to recommend um, because it is anxiety inducing to make changes. And if you make one change at a time, you know very clearly what is happening. So if we taper off Lamictal and Remeron at the same time and things get worse, well, why? Which one was it? Or was it life? That's always a factor. But if we just do one step at a time, it's better. So I would tell him while you're adjusting these medicines, you'll leave him at 40 tablets a month. And he can take less if he's having a good day. Um, but I definitely would start with tapering off the lamictal and mirtazapine because it sounds like those two are kind of a wash. He's taking them, but they don't do anything. Right. So it sounds like bupropion probably does work I mean, he, he said himself it worked a little bit. Uh, the mirtazapine didn't work as well. Probably zero benefit, like you said. Lamictal definitely zero benefit. So we could really just take that off and see how things go from there. Yeah, so, and he is on a low dose of mirtazapine. It could work at a higher dose. You know, there's potential there. But even with that much time at 15, I would expect to see something. Mm-hmm. So definitely raising it is an option, but at this point in time, I'd probably taper it um, and see, you know, is there any change when it comes off? You can taper mirtazapine fairly quickly. You can go to 7.5 for two weeks and then off. You can monitor them and see if there's any change. I would also plan to taper the lamictal, but I taper lamictal more slowly because the effect actually builds over months. So it could be that there is a benefit to Lamictal. What I'm hearing is 
right now he doesn't seem depressed to me. He's enjoying things. He's interested. He's motivated to do things. He journaled for you. That takes a lot of work. <laughs> and yeah. so, you know, it's, it seems like if there's any depression, it's pretty mild. And I don't know over the course of time, how that changed. And he was so vague with his responses. He never even talked about depression. So we don't really know. So I would have philomictal and leave it there for a period of time just to make sure that nothing changes. So I would want that one to even last a few months just so that we can really get a sense because if we take him completely off philomictal, then we have to titrate him all the way back up. If that's what we choose to do, should his depression come back? Um, it's clearly not working for his anxiety. So uh, definitely I could uh, taper that off the mirtazapine quickly and also make it a little more slowly just to see what happens. And we'll do that one at a time while also maintaining the diazepam uh, at its current dose. The bupropion where it is. And then I would, I would maybe give him the option, like, do you want to start the lamictal taper? Do you want to try something new before we do that? So we can make our one change at a time, but you're not hanging out waiting to try something new. At 71, polypharmacy is a little bit more of a problem, but um, I sometimes will let people hang out on a medicine so I can get a sense of a new medicine, but it depends on who they are and how they're doing. And regarding new medications, I was actually thinking about going into the world of the, the new like the lithium, the Depakote, mostly just because of the podcast. I'm wondering about your thoughts on that. Well, I'm hearing that I need to do a lithium podcast, which is good because I had that planned anyway. But um, I wouldn't go for lithium because, or Depakote. Uh, the reason I wouldn't go for lithium is because he doesn't seem depressed. And that's really where we have the data with lithium. And there's a lot of risk with lithium at his age, especially with the kidneys. So I tried to be ginger with lithium in his age group. You have to check the level every three months in his age group. There's just kind of a lot to do. And I don't know that that'll have a big impact on his anxiety. It can sometimes. Depakote has its best evidence in bipolar disorder, specifically in acute mania. Um, and it has great evidence for things like aggression and anger. You haven't mentioned those, but are there any of those uh, symptoms in his presentation? Uh, no. Uh, also, thank you for that podcast. Uh, in terms of bipolar symptoms, uh, he doesn't have any of those third state uh, energies uh, that the podcast talk about. So I, you're right. I probably shouldn't go with the, the other mood stabilizers that he does report being on previous SSRIs in the past. Certainly hasn't been on an SSRI in the last, you know, 15 years, uh, at least at, at PAM. Um, I, I could try Lexapro uh, instead of Sertraline. I, I suppose I'm not as excited about SSRIs in general because he does recall being on those medicines uh, at some point. I mean, they're in my back pocket. Yeah. I could go for a beast ball or gabapentin uh, as well. What do you, what do you think? So I love your ideas. I'll tackle the Lexapro one first. I like it as the back pocket. He said he hasn't been on any SSRIs for over 20 years. And Lexapro was released in 2002. 
So technically speaking, that was 20 years ago and it wasn't widely used at first, right? It took a few years before it was widely used. So he probably hasn't tried it. So I think you could tell him it's new enough that if we're really looking at a 20 year time frame, it's on the table. Because it only affects serotonin, unlike sertraline, which affects serotonin and dopamine, it is much, much less likely to cause activation. So I do think it's a good back pocket medicine for you. If you're going to start it in him because he had so much on the Zoloft, I would start him on liquid and just take him up really, really, really slowly because then you almost eliminate the risk of activation. And I literally tell them to start with a drop and work their way up to a starting dose as they tolerate. Uh, but I really love the Buzbar plan for a couple of reasons. It pairs well with his Valium. So you pair it with the Valium, hopefully it transfers some of the placebo response onto the Buzbar. Buzbar in a small population does actually have a PRN value outside of placebo. It helps people feel calmer right away. The bulk of people don't feel that, but even if we just kind of associate it with the placebo of the volume, that's going to have some power because we know the volume doesn't actually do anything physiologically. As you said, it's got a super long half-life and he's so dependent on it. There's no physiologic difference for him. And then after you start him on the abuse bar three times a day, which is the ideal dosing schedule, most people can't do that. So I usually started it twice a day, but he's already put himself on a TID schedule. Give it three or four weeks of that dose before you assess it. And then any increase, give that increase three to four weeks. And also know that in his age group, things can take a little longer to start working. You've definitely given everything a fair trial. You've done an amazing job, but you might even want to give the abuse bar four to six weeks before you would give up on it. I'll definitely do that then. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks for bringing such a great case onto the podcast. And I'll let you know how it goes. Definitely. Hopefully this helped everyone listening. I know we all have cases with hard to treat depression and anxiety. And Buspar and Wellbutrin together can be a fantastic combination. Tan's already plugged the podcast multiple times and you're already listening to it, but there are great podcast episodes on both medicines if you want to learn more about them. Thank you for joining us and I hope everyone here has a great day.